the church had three families that lost children between 18 and 34 in about a two to three day period. And um, pastor had asked me about a month after, and my son was one of those, and he asked me about a month afterwards if, um, if I would like to teach on a Sunday morning and have the opportunity to, to tie in what I was going through with the word. And um, I wasn't ready. Um, I may not be ready today. I already told Keon he may have to come up here and take over my notes. Um, but uh, I want to thank Pastor for giving me this opportunity. Um, Eric's funeral was, um, was awesome, and I was able to sit back and take it in. And um, today I would like to speak. Um, and that's not the focus of my sermon. We're not here. This is not a wake. This is not a funeral. This is not... Um, but it is tied in to what I want to cover today. Um, so if you have your Bibles with you, most of the verses will be on screen as normal. Um, in Matthew 7, verses 24 through 26, it says, Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against this house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. I want to teach to you this morning from a sermon titled, How Solid Is Your Foundation? Uh, pray with me. Dear Lord, we thank you for everything that you give to us, Lord. Good and bad come to all of us, but you have a plan for us, Lord. And I would ask that you would reveal yourself this morning, talk through me, have ears open, hearts open, that we might receive your word, and that you might give us understanding and clarity so that we can follow you on a greater level. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to start out with a story. Um, I, I'm fortunate enough to work for a national company that the owner believes in God. And that's an awesome thing. Um, we had the opportunity... Um, started three weeks ago that they sent out. Now, we have about 3,000. I'm an insurance adjuster. We had about 3,000 employees throughout the company, and they threw this out for men. Um, and they also threw it out if you weren't a Christian, that was okay because it's got solid principles, solid foundation. And we are actually um, one of the vice presidents of the company is leading a men's Bible study every Thursday night at 7 o'clock on our Zoom call that we normally do business on. And so this story, um, this story was in this Bible study, and I want to, um, I want to share it with you guys because um, when I read it, one of the questions is, you know, we, we read this story, and then it's like, what does it pertain to me? And what it pertained to me immediately jumped to Matthew 7, 24 through 26. So the story that I want to tell you is, is titled The Persona. So The Persona um, is a yacht. It's about a rich man, um, a, a millionaire, billionaire, whatever you want, whatever you want him to be, um, who was a member of a yacht club, and he had this grandiose idea that he wanted to build the most magnificent yacht that there was. Like, he wanted, um, he just wanted it to be the pride of where he was, um, in yacht clubs, so like HOAs have a president, yacht clubs have a commodore, right? That's what the president of the yacht club is, is the commodore. He had his eyes on being the commodore. Like he wanted to be, he wanted to, he was rich, but he wanted more. He wanted to be recognized as the, the, the best dude. He wanted to be recognized as having the most, of having the best, of being flashy, of having all things seen so that he could be praised with these things that were be, being seen. And he started building this yacht, 
And he had, and in his mind, when he was doing it, he's thinking visual, and he's thinking aesthetics. And so he's building this yacht, and he had these, you know, dynamic sails that were built out of, you know, just, um, you know, linen, and, and they were um, beautiful colors, array. I mean, it was just the, the, the sails were magnificent. Um, there's teak wood on everything. There's brass everywhere. There's staterooms where you go down underneath. and this, I mean, it's, it's better than what we live in as a normal house. The staterooms were gorgeous. And the more he got into building this yacht, the more that he fantasized about the praise that he was going to get from this yacht that was so grandiose. And the more he thought about the praise and how cool it's going to be, the more he kept putting into these aesthetics and the less he started putting, he didn't really worry about getting the proper ballast in the bottom. He didn't really worry about the timbers that were used to build the bottom of the yacht. He didn't worry about the base construction. In, in his mind, it became a logical progression that if it was under the water and wasn't seen, then who cares? For... You know, I have, an, I have an old boat. And one of the things I tell Nancy about my boat, I'm like, you don't have to worry about it. This boat, it's wide. It's got a deep V hull. Like, my boat is built to go in the water. Like, right? Now, at 22 miles out, I did have the motor breakdown. I had to fix it while I was at sea. But the hull was good. The boat was sturdy underneath. But the more that, but it, that's logical to most people. But it's not logical to this man. He just... The more he thought about how people were going to lavish things on him, the more logical it became to him to, oh, I'm not just going to spend money on that. And so as it was being built, he was getting, because it's in a dry dock at the Yacht Club, he's getting these praises. It's, he's, he's being fed into himself all of these praises that the other yacht members, the yacht club members, and they're like, oh, my gosh, it's so beautiful. Oh, I can't wait to see it. Oh, I can't wait till it's done. And so there came the day, and he finished. And when you launch a boat, it is very common to break champagne on the front of the bow and then launch the boat. And so that's what they did. He had this big ceremony at the yacht club. Um, the persona was big gold letters on the back of the boat. This was his boat or his ship, his yacht. Um, and he just made a big production of it had people there, and you know what? When he launched the boat, he was on it by himself, sailing out to sea, and as he's sailing out of port, he's getting these accolades. Oh, my gosh, just, it's just pouring in on him. Oh, oh, that's the most beautiful yacht I've ever seen. Oh, that's so gorgeous. Oh, look at those sails. Look at all. And then he gets out into the ocean, and a storm comes up, and it's not a hurricane. It's a strong storm, but it's one that a well-built yacht should have made it through. Well, the sails weren't constructed with the proper material that strong sails are made out of. They were just pretty. And so the sails started tearing. The mast, he, he had it all glossed and beautiful mast, but they weren't sturdy and they splintered and they broke. And the hull didn't have the proper timber on the bottom of it. And so it started leaking in water, and then came the wave, flipped him over because he didn't have the ballast to right the ship, and he was lost at sea. And when the ship, his yacht, the wreckage got to the shore, and they started investigating, they found that um, he didn't have a solid foundation. The hull was all shattered and broke. The, he, he just focused on the pretty things. Um, not only did his hull, but in his arrogance, he didn't even have safety devices. He had no GPS transmitter for an emergency. He had no life-saving devices, whether it be a raft or just a, a, you know, a life jacket that you put on, and he passed away. And all of the members of the yacht club were like, this dude built half a boat. He was so concerned. They realized, 
And they were like, how could we have applauded this guy? How could we have praised this guy? Um, he didn't do any of the things that we were supposed to do. And he only became remembered, his name was forgot, and he only became remembered as the fool. And from that story that we read, like I said, I immediately went to Matthew 7. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. This is Jesus talking. He's like, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. So the solid rock that we're building on, and, and we all know that Jesus is our cornerstone, right? So we need to be building our foundation on rock. We don't need to be building it on the sand that is going to be mentioned further. It says, through, it says, though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against the house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. The yacht had the same thing. The waves came, the wind came, the mast broke. Um, it's all because this fool did not have a solid foundation. In verse 26 it says, But anyone who hears my teaching and does, obey, does not obey it is foolish like a person who builds a house on sand. And it says, When the rain and floods come. Next verse says, when the rain and floods come and the winds beat against the house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. 27 struck me. When the rains and floods come. If you are my age, you have already had winds and floods come at you. You have already had storms in life that, are gonna, that come at you. If you are young, you may have already had storms and floods come at you. But if you haven't, they are. The Bible doesn't say that when you come to Christ, everything is going to be good. The Bible says when the storms come, when the rain and floods come and the winds beat against you, when the storms come and you don't have a solid foundation and your house is built on sand, then you are going to collapse with a mighty crash. In Proverbs 10.25, again, it's just jumped out at me. When the storms of life come, the wicked are whirled away, but the godly have a lasting foundation. I mentioned earlier when I was talking with, the, um, with Keon and the other deacons and families that um, I don't understand how people that are not saved struggle with storms in life and the things that they're going through. And then we kind of all, it was like almost instant, it was like, well, they don't, right? They don't. When something bad happens, people drink, they do drugs, they, um, they'll, they'll commit suicide. Um, but the Bible says that the storms of life are, when they come, the wicked are rolled away, but the godly have a lasting foundation. So I had mentioned earlier that I was going to um, bring up Eric's funeral, and there's a reason that I'm doing that. Um, I have had several people that have talked to me um, since my son passed that just flat out told me, I don't understand how you're doing it. I, don't, I mean, that, that's got to be the worst thing. And I mentioned there's three people... Um, three families in this church that lost children. And I can only imagine that m Christian brothers and sisters, we all go through the same thing. What one is going through, another is going through. There was three of us that happened at the same time, and there's thousands around the world that were going through it. But as a Christian, I can only imagine that we all have a similar testimony. And the similar testimony is that when I have people ask me, how did you cope with the loss of a child? How did you cope with the loss of your son? Um, it was, to me, a very easy answer. Um, it wasn't an easy thing, but it was an easy answer on how I coped that, on it. And the answer is, I have a foundation in Jesus Christ. The, 
Eric, um, all three of the deaths were sudden. And I don't know because I've only lost one child. Um, I can't imagine losing two. I want to go first. But I don't know if it's easier to have a child pass that has something going on long term. My son has cystic fibrosis. I pray that they find stuff, and he is here with me today. Bo came in late, by the way. Um, I don't know how I'll handle if he passes before me. I just pray that they continue with medicine and that he outlives me. Um, I don't know if it's easier to know that something is coming long-term or to have it happen suddenly. But all three of these families had it happen suddenly. Um, my son and I worked together. We worked in the same industry. Originally, we worked in different companies, but God, God, God's how I got through. God has a plan. And Eric and I worked for different companies, and he called me and was like, hey, are you working right now? No, I'm not, but I'm waiting on them for, for them to call me. He's like, well, my company's got a little seminar. Why don't we go up there to Atlanta, and, um, and you can check out our company. And I'm like, okay, I'll do that. So he and I went to Atlanta. We were two days into a four-day seminar. A storm broke out. A windstorm hit in Kentucky. And the owner of the company was like, hey, you two guys don't really need to be here. You're just taking up seats. You're, you're asking rhetorical questions. You know the answers to these things. We've got jobs. Do you need to, can, would you be willing to go ahead and head out to Kentucky today? And we were like, yep, here we go. So I was able to spend the last nine weeks of my son's life, every night with him in a hotel room with my 33-year-old son. I was able to um, eat dinner with him, go to the park with him, play Frisbee with him and his dog. Because if you guys weren't here during the, um, during the funeral, the picture that we had up of Eric was of him in, him in a hammock on the beach wearing flip-flops, flops, um, I think the pitcher cut off his feet, which was good because they were just dirty, nasty, you know, grimy. Um, but it was him and his dog right there. Oh, we got the flip-flops in this one. Um, so that was my son. And I got this. Now, he was cleaned up more for business. He let it hang loose when he wasn't working. Um, but I got to spend every night with my son. We got to eat dinner together. We got to discuss life. We got to lay out plans. We got to talk about Jesus. When I am not here... My wife has a phone on the front row, and I have a speaker in the room that I'm listening to. And it was amazing because I worry about my son. He's, if you didn't know him, he was, he was a little crazy. But, um, and he did things, you know, what he wanted to do. But on Sunday mornings, we woke up early enough where we could start working, and he would be the one be like, hey, is it getting to, what time is it, Dad? You got, we can't miss pastor service. And... I love that about my son, that we got to speak Jesus when we were together. And um, he left for a vacation, um, stopped by, and had dinner with Nancy. Um, she was the last one. He said, I, loved, I love you too in the family, and the last one that got a hug from him in the family. And that meant the world to her. And um, bought a new car was excited about life, was going to do a week's vacation at a um, music festival, which he loved, was going to go home to Tallahassee, do a couple weeks for continuing education, which he had to do, and then he was coming back to me, and we were going to keep working and keep moving, and young children, don't do it, just don't do, don't get into drugs. And I can tell you, just don't even try it. Because my son was not a saint. Well, he was a saint because he was saved. But he, he, liked to, he liked to venture. He liked to try things. And when we're in that room, he's working nine weeks with me. We're all business. We're eating good dinners. We're eating healthy. We're exercising. You know, I mean, this is, he, this is not, 
when, when you think about someone that dies of drugs, you think, you think about somebody that is an addict and they're overdosing and they're doing it all the time. And Eric, um, he'd get out there with his buddies and they're at a music festival and they're like, hey, let's do a line of coke. Not a wise decision. It's a foolish decision. And that coke was laced with fentanyl. And he didn't wake up. And I got the phone call the next morning. And to tell you how God works with these things, and some of you guys have heard this testimony, but to tell you how God works with these things, when he left, I called my cousin, who some of you have seen, Sean. He was sitting here. Um, his dad is struggling right now. He's in the hospital. We're praying for my uncle, his dad. But Sean um, was going through some rough stuff in his life in um, Indianapolis, Indiana, which was about five hours from where I was working. No, no, he was in Evansville, Indiana, about five hours from where I was working. I hadn't talked to Sean. I bet I hadn't called him six times in my life. And I had talked to him once a year ago. And I thought, you know, I wonder what Sean's doing. This is a pretty cool industry that I'm in. I've got a hotel room with two beds. I've been sharing it with my son for nine weeks. Let me just call him up and see what's going on with Sean. See if he might like to come over and um, see if it might be a career he might be interested in getting into. And when I called Sean, um, he was like, absolutely, I'm ready to get the H out of Evansville. Um, I'll, I'll be there, whatever you need from me. Um, I'll come and work with you, like whatever you want. It's like I, I'm just like, okay, yeah, no, I got you know, come stay two, three days. In my mind, come stay two, three days, whatever. And immediately when he hung up the phone, he went down to his mom and dad. Did you call Jimmy to tell him to call me? And they're like, what are you talking about? Jimmy just called me and asked me to go to Ohio. And they're like, what, really? Because what I didn't know is that Sean was going through something personal. And if he wants to share it, he will share it. But he was going something through something personal that I had mentioned earlier that if how do unsaved people cope with it, he wasn't saved and he wasn't coping. He hadn't, when I called him, Sean had not been out of his bedroom and out of bed or eaten for four days just to go to the bathroom. He slept and went to the bathroom and was severely depressed. So when I called him, he was like, Mom, Dad, why'd you do that? Mom and Dad didn't do that, right? So here I am when I'm hearing the story, because we go to dinner the very first night, and I'm hearing this story, and I'm listening to this story, and I'm getting, uh, you know when you're an athlete, pride has to, just, you have to have pride in your team, and everything. it's a hard thing to drive pride out, and and. I have asked God for that help, and he showed it to me one time in softball when I got thrown out going first to third, when I've never been thrown out first to third. That's a whole different story, but God will humble you, right? He doesn't like pride. But in my saved nature, how many of you know that when we're saved, we still do stupid things that are not what God would have us do? And so in this moment of Sean's duress, I'm thinking... God's using me, right? My head's getting big, and I'm thinking, what a great thing God has done placing me, an elder in the church, going to, oh, I can just, I can help Sean out so much. And, dude, where did thoughts like that come from, right? Because God knows what he's doing. I don't know what he's doing. His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. His ways are higher than my ways. I don't have a clue what's going on, but God does. God knows what's going on. And I was able, when I got, when, when Sean came to me, and we sat at dinner, and he asked me, and he's like, man, you, you know, just, you truly believe, and so, and, and, and we got to talking about Jesus that first night for a little bit. Um, and we were, you know, sitting there eating dinner, and at a sports bar, we're watching a ball game. So, you know, we throw a little bit of Jesus mixed in with a little bit of that. He's sharing his story. I'm giving him some scripture and some comfort, thinking about how well God's using me. And 
so we go to bed that night, and the next day he wakes up. He's going with me in, um, to go do inspections, and I finished two inspections when I got the call that I pray to God that nobody in this room gets. Um, I got a call from my wife, and um, I always answer my phone. And the first, I, sh- there was no other way to put it. She didn't know how to soften the blow. There is no softening of the blow. She just told me they found Eric's body. And I'm on the interstate doing 75 at this moment, and Sean's in the truck with me. Um, And I immediately slam on brakes. I get out. I did not even make it to the other side of the truck, um, to the door, when I fell out on the grass. And my emotions overcame me, and I couldn't move and was paralyzed in grief. And at that moment, Sean was there for me. My big head wasn't there for him. God knew what was coming. And God knew that Sean and I needed each other at that moment in time. If you don't think God knows exactly what's happening, we don't always do what he asks us to do. But God knows what's going on, and God has that plan. And I was able to get in the truck after a while and called my company. And I already mentioned I've got a, I have a company that the owner believes in God, and everyone in our home offices are faith-driven, and that is a huge blessing. That's another one that God knew what was going on. I had already run hundreds and hundreds of claims. I'd worked for different company. I'd never worked for this company. God placed me there with that phone call. And I will tell you this, it wasn't because the other company didn't want me. Eric asked me first. It's the only reason I went. I believe God placed into Eric asking me first so that I would be there with him. Because would I be able to cope the way I've coped now if I hadn't spent nine weeks with my son? I don't know. But... God placed me in that company. They're a faith-driven company. And I called up my boss and said, I got to go home. And she was like, okay. She didn't even say why. I had 10 inspections that day. I'd only done two. I had claims that still had to be written. She didn't even ask me why. She just said, okay. She goes, the ones you've already run, do you want to finish them out or you want me to assign all of them? And I said, I need you to get rid of everything I got on my plate right now. I said, Eric's passed away. And she crushed, was just crushed. She broke down on the phone. Um, And, like, my company backed me completely. And I wasn't just an hour down the road. And I had a customer that I had inspected that morning call me on the phone. And I'm like, oh, you know, I'm grieving, but I'm trying to be professional. I answered the phone. And he goes, hey, man. Um, I said, dude, I'm not. He goes, I know. I'm going to cut you off. He said, they called me, and they told me that you had a family member. I didn't even tell him the son. He goes, uh, they didn't tell him my son. They said, we have a, you had a family member that passed. You had to go home immediately. And I just want to tell you that, um, that I'm going to pray for you. And he, go, and, and he says, do you mind me asking? I said, with my 33-year-old son. He's, he, he broke down because he was a fellow um, brother in Christ and he has a 33 year old daughter and he could not imagine the impact that I was going through then and he called up these little phone calls these little things is what God places for us right all of these little things this guy on just had met a couple hours before right Sean and I had a 17 hour trip down from Ohio or whatever it was and the whole time here's how cool God is He placed it in Sean's heart because that's how we get saved. God places his love in our hearts. He put it in Sean's heart to take the constant grieving thought in me and ask me to talk to him about Jesus. So for 17 hours, 
I couldn't focus on the grief that I was going through because I was so focused on Jesus Christ, who is our cornerstone and who is our foundation. And Sean, I'll just tell you this. Even the corporate giants, when you get the, when you get the guy that has the one last home in the middle of New York City with a bunch of buildings built around, and it's like the story, it's like, oh, it's like, you know, David against Goliath, right? I mean, that's a common phrase used, whether it's secular or biblical. Sean didn't even, Sean had never heard about David and Goliath. He had never heard about, when I was telling him, like, yeah, yeah, you know, King Solomon's mines in Indiana Jones. I'm like, yeah, no, that's, that's a real dude, right? Um, smartest guy ever, richest guy ever. Um, and yes, he's in the Bible. And so Sean had me start in Genesis. And we went through, from Genesis, I'm just paraphrasing, like getting through. And 17 hours later, I had just about made it through the Old Testament. And it just questions and questions and questions and questions. And the impact on me is that as long as I've been saved, God amazed me. God still amazed me. He amazed me on that day of what he had done and where he had placed and had done everything for me. And Sean, who had never believed in his life, he, he went to the Lutheran church, I think he said, till he was three or four, and like mom and dad. Like, Sean had no background at all, and yet Sean was... Oh my gosh, God is amazing. Look at what God did for me. I couldn't get through my depression. I was in a depressed state, and he has come here. He's been saved, and he's been baptized. And it's, it's what you are called to do. And so to get back with Eric, um, we started moving forward with, um, with the funeral arrangements. His mom was in a mess, as all moms would be, um, rightfully so. Um, and she called me yesterday. Now, we've been divorced for 30 years maybe. I don't know. Long time. And I don't talk to her. And when I get her phone call, I'll just be honest. It's like, oh, I don't really want to take this phone call. But she called me up, and she said, I've been meaning to do this, and I've put it off, and I've put it off. And she goes, my best friend just lost her mom, and I was just at another funeral. And she goes, and it prompted me to call. God's timing. God knew I was talking about this today. She had the urge placed in her by God to call me yesterday and not put it off another moment. And for those of you that were here will know what I'm talking about. But for those of you that were not here, I've had multiple people in this church tell me that his mom called me yesterday and said, I just want to thank you because I couldn't do what you did. And she said, that was the best, worst day of my life. Because, she said, because everything was, like, I learned stuff about my son, Eric, that I hadn't known before. We had people that were able to come up and speak and share his life. And it was a true celebration of life. And I, I had thought about speaking, but I'm like, I, I can't. And so I sat there on the front row, and his mom sat there on that front row. And we sat there and listened to all these cool things about our son. And... The coolest um, for me was they showed a video of Eric's baptism. And I want to show that now. And I want to relate it to how strong is your foundation or how solid is your foundation. Because I want to show you what a real foundation of, of being in Christ is. Um, there's a moment. And, and it's just a moment. So... If you guys could pay attention, when he comes up out of the water, there's a, the weight of the world is lifted off of him. At that moment, at that sigh, 
and his heavenly father saying, with you I am well pleased, is the moment that my son stepped his foot on the solid rock, on the foundation. Would you guys play that for me? sigh right there. The weight of the world was lifted off of his shoulders right there. His foot at the bottom of that water stood upon solid rock at that moment. Without that foundation, we can't make it. In Psalm 111 verse 10, it says, the fear of the Lord is the foundation of true wisdom. All who obey his commandments will grow in wisdom, praise him forever. The fear of the Lord is the foundation of true wisdom. If we don't have, if, if we don't have the fear of God in us, if we don't have the understanding of what the Lord hates, if we don't have the understanding, um, then we don't make it. We're not on a solid foundation. The fear of the Lord is the foundation of true wisdom. And then all who obey His commandments will grow in wisdom. As we grow in wisdom and as we obey the commandments, here's the thing that so many people that don't believe is they think that that right there, all who obey His commandments, they believe that that line right there is why they don't want to be a Christian is because it spoils all their fun. It ruins everything that they want to do. Man, why would I want to do why would I want to be in a religion that has to be a spoil sport for everything that I want to do is fun, right? In Proverbs 1:7. Again, fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Again, fools despise wisdom and discipline. They don't know God. They don't have a foundation. They would rather build their house on sand because it's easier to do. If you don't, if, if you, as you gain wisdom and as you gain knowledge and as you gain the fear of the Lord and as you gain God as your strength and as you gain Jesus as the cornerstone and the rock that you build your house on, you know that sometimes doing the right thing isn't always easy, right? Um, it's just not. Sometimes it takes a little extra to do the right thing. Sometimes it'd just be easier just to let that, well, I'll just let that slide. No, we have to step back, assess the situation, and God calls for us to do the right thing. God calls for us, it's, the Bible says that in our work, when we are out and we are doing our work, the Bible says that we are to work as unto the Lord, right? So how are we going to do something shabby or cut corners if the Bible says that we're supposed to work unto the Lord, right? Are you going to put, are you going to, um, Elliot, my grandson, he's he, he, he a typical teenager, right? He's a fool most of the time. But he goes out, and I'm proud of him because this summer, you you what? You turned 15 this summer, right? He turned 15 this summer, and he went out and got him a little, little uh, I'll help you out business. I don't know how else to call it. It's not a yard business because he doesn't cut grass. I mean, he will if you need him to, but basically that's the if you need him to, right? Um, but he moved a bunch of rock for people. I hadn't gotten my 
lease on my F-250 that he filled up six times or seven times. Um, oh, no, no, that's right. He did bring a load to me. He said that was exchange for using the truck, right? So, but he's been out there, and I'm proud for him that he's doing it, but I hope you know, Elliot, that when you are spreading the rock, if you didn't do it the way the person wanted, if you left dirt on the rock, if you didn't make it level, if you didn't make it even, if you didn't work as unto the Lord, then you're not going to get future references or future work. And it's that way throughout work. But fools despise wisdom and discipline. There are, in my industry, um, prior industry, when I owned a fence company, there were a lot of fence companies going out of business because they didn't want to pack the post right. It's the basis of a fence. You've got to pack the post right or it's going to fall against the storms, the wind, the rain that come. Um, it's going to fall against the storms of life. And they go out of business or they go to jail or they commit suicide, which I've seen all of those happen in that industry. In Proverbs 9, 9 through 11, it says, instruct the wise, and they will be even wiser. Teach the righteous, and they will learn even more. I, I have tried. I got my son sitting here, and I've got my grandson sitting here, and I have tried to instruct them. Sometimes they've gotten wiser. A lot of times they have not. Right? Teach the righteous and they will learn even more. If you, if you want to have your foundation strong, you have, to, you have to understand that you have to be taught. You have to understand that there's things you don't know. You have, and you have to take those in. You can't be a fool and just shun somebody that's trying to help you. And then you have to listen to what they say and you have to apply it. Verse 10 says, fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. Again, the foundation of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. Check this out. Wisdom will multiply your days and add years to your life. So if you have a foundation, which is to gain wisdom and knowledge, and that is going to lead to you being smarter and you obeying the commandments, then it's going to lead to multiplying your days and adding years to your life. And some of us look at that, okay, now I can, I can look at that and say, add years to your life. What do you mean, Lord, add years to your life? My son was 33 when he passed away, and I could be angry at God because add years to your life. Well, two years prior, I got that phone call at 12.18 in the middle of the night that said, your son, uh, um, are, are you Mr. Rich? Yes. Are you Eric's dad? Yes, I am. Um, Eric has been in a um, near-fatal accident, and he is currently being life-flighted. It's fear for his life right now, and he is being life-flighted. He was in Arizona. They were life-flighting to Las Vegas, Nevada, right? Um, Eric came through a shattered, when I say shattered, I mean, if you can imagine, the ball of his socket was broken, too, on his shoulder. Um, ten broken ribs. If he ever took his shirt off when, after that accident, you can't do anything with ribs but wrap them. And some of the ribs, as they came around, went like this, and some of the ribs went like that. And I mean, his chest, his cavity, chest cavity was just all jacked up from the broken ribs that he had. Um, he had a punctured lung. He had a lacerated liver. He had all kinds of things. And I got that phone call, but guess what? God added years to his life. Because at that phone call at 12.18 in the morning, Eric, I don't know if Eric was saved at that moment in time. He had never been baptized. He was like, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. Yeah, Dad, you've always taken us to church. How many times have you heard pastors say, um, are you a Christian? Oh, yeah, I go to church. Okay? So are you a Christian? Because I go to church doesn't make you a Christian. So, and Eric had been living on the road. I always tell people he was he was self-proclaimed homeless person, and that was his life, and that's what he enjoyed. He yes, he was the. This is a 
This is a child of mine who was in advanced studies in college, and, or through high school at least. In college, he was doing what he loved to do, was acting, and he just decided, I don't want to do that anymore. I want to go just hit the, ro- hit the open road. And so he did, and um, he was the one on the side of the road, you know. Um, he didn't do will work for food. He's like, hey, if I can make you smile, give me a dime, you know, kind of was his sign. He, he, if that phone call that night would have been the phone call I got two years later or three months ago, it would not have been well with my soul as it was this time. God's timing did, God's timing is everything. And God added years to Eric's life. In Isaiah 33, 6, it says, In that day he will be your sure foundation, providing a rich store of salvation, wisdom, and knowledge. The fear of the Lord will be your treasure. Right? So are we getting that the fear of the Lord is going to provide us a lot of stuff? The fear of the Lord is our foundation. We're talking about foundation over and over and over again. And I can tell you this, that the foundation that is talked about in providing a rich store of salvation, wisdom, and knowledge, the wisdom and knowledge, not necessarily with me, when I was going through it on May 24th, May 25th, May 26th, May 27th, when I was going through the initial phases of what had happened to my son, these people... But you look around, you, brothers and sisters, here, brothers and sisters in Christ, you guys helped me get through that. And do you know why you helped me get through that? Because I have a foundation based in Jesus Christ, and you have a foundation based in Jesus Christ. We're on the same page. You know my needs. I am, I am involved in the food and clothing ministry, and... Sunshine, I'd be in the middle of it, and I'd just get kind of frozen, and she would be right there with me a week, two weeks afterwards, and it'd be like, I don't think I can do this. She's like, go ahead, hon, we got this. And she would, she was in tune with my needs. The funeral, as I'm struggling to put this funeral together, um, I reached out to Dina and the pastor, um, about can we use B building because I'm going to get it catered. And I had fully planned on paying for catering. And woman after woman after woman stepped up in this church and created this great reception afterwards. And food and just every, like they took a burden off of me. They knew what I needed. And the reason was is because they knew I had a foundation in Jesus Christ and they had a foundation in Jesus Christ and they were my sisters and my brothers that put all of this together. They knew what I needed. We were able to lean upon each other with a foundation in Christ. It's so important. It's so important. And the phone call that I alluded to earlier with Eric's mom, um, she was just like, your, your church was amazing. She goes, the funeral you put together was amazing. She goes, but I learned things about Eric I never knew before. She goes, I can't believe, just in a church congregation, I can't believe how many people were there. Just not friend, not the friends that flew in from Boston and the ones that came up from Orlando and the ones that came in from wherever um, and his old high school buddies and college buddies and, and and family that were here, but there wasn't just those. This church was filled with, with the members of this body, and, and it's, they loved him, and his mom was amazed. Well, do you know why she was amazed? Because God's amazing, and God gives us the foundation in Jesus Christ, and Eric was on the foundation of Jesus Christ, and his brothers and sisters came. Yeah, his friends came, but that's because they knew him from the past. There was a relationship. There was an attachment. But we showed up in strength. My brothers and my sisters, Eric's brothers and Eric's sisters, we showed up to celebrate Eric's life. And I have made it through without depression. I have been able to continue moving forward. Don't let... That picture you just saw up there, that's my bookmark for where I'm reading. 
I don't forget Eric. I'm not just moving on because, oh, well, he's out of the way. I don't have to worry about it. I'm not moving on because of that. He's in my mind every single day. He is on my screensaver. Same picture is my screensaver every day. In my background, I'm looking at Eric every day. I've got a folder on my desktop of Eric's pictures, and I just click on it, and I go through it when I feel the need to share you know, and, and, and look and share my mind with pictures of Eric and memories and think about it. Eric's not dead in my mind. Eric's not far from my mind. Eric is right there with me every single day that I go through these things. But the reason why I was able to move forward and not be crushed by depression or crushed and turn to alcohol or... I'm gonna just, I'll give you a quick out right here. Um, at one point, and this is not, I'm not proud of this, but I wasn't saved either. But I'm going to tell you, when I say that unsaved people can't handle it, I'm going to tell you something that I know because it was me. I was going through a divorce, and I walked in. I was the um, operations manager for Roadway Express, which was a Fortune 500 company. They've now since merged with Yellow, whatever, whatever, big trucking company. But I was over 360 people in Orlando. I had... Um, I had uh, Teamsters underneath me. I had clerks underneath me. I had salespeople underneath me. I had everything underneath me. Well, a friend of mine um, was in the same position in the Miami facility. So he was doing the same job I was doing, knew how to do it. And he had some issues going on in Miami. And he's like, look, Jimmy, can you just, I'll take a step back and I just want to be one of your supervisors. And so he came up to Orlando and he was a friend of mine and and we worked good together. Going through this divorce, I just lost it one night. I'm just like, I'm done. I was wearing a pair of pajama pants. This was before pajama pants were acceptable in Walmart. I, I was wearing pajama pants and a tank top and no shoes. And I got into my car. I drove to the facility. It was about midnight. And I threw my keys to Brian. And I said, I'm out. And he goes, what? I said, you tell Jim, our manager, I said, you tell Jim, I'm out. I can't handle life anymore. I'm done. And I went to something completely different. I don't even know. I don't remember exactly. But it it wasn't pride back then, but it was like a rainbow coalition. It was like old hippies. And I don't know. I mean, anyway, I'm driving along, and I find this long-haired dude with this scroungy-looking girl I'll pull off the side of the road. Hey, you guys want to ride? I, you know, whatever. Kill me, steal from, whatever, right? So I um, gave them a ride, and they're like, hey, man, can you stop at the store and we'll get some beer? I'm like, yeah, whatever. I don't care. And I'm in Ocala National Forest where they were having a, this is like a two- or three-week-long event. And I'm pulling down the forest, and the first thing I see is a Volkswagen bug. No, not bug, a Volkswagen van. It's got, it's got all the flowers down the side. It looked like a Scooby-Doo van. And I look over this way, and there's some naked dude out there pulling the thing for the, you know, the shower that you hook up into the trees that you fill with water, hook on the tree and pull it. And like, some dude over there is naked doing that. Some other guy, they're over there sitting on a, a back seat that had been pulled out of a car, and they're just sitting around a campfire smoking joints. That's all I remember. Two weeks later, I I showed up at a supervisor's house, and they were like, what would you do? Like, where you been? Like, everybody's been looking for you. I'm like, don't know. Been in the woods hanging with the hippies, right? And so um, she's like, well, you need to call Brian right away. I'm like, why? I'm like, I'm I'm done. I'm out. Like, I turned in my keys, you know. So I called up Brian. And he had gone to my boss and was like, hey, Jimmy's going through some rough time. He said he's going to take some of his vacation. He didn't give the key, didn't tell him what I did. He protected me, um, and I was able to keep my job and move forward, right? But I'm telling you what I know. Unsaved people with no foundation, house built on sand, are going to have storms of life come their way And they're going to be washed away. 
not going to be able to handle it, right? I, I don't know what drugs I did, but I know I did drugs. I don't know what alcohol I drank, but I'm sure there was some of that involved. Might have been mushrooms. Like, I don't know. I really, the last thing I remember was pulling into that, those woods. Next thing I know, I'm pulling up to this girl's house that, who was a supervisor. It was, we were friends, but um, pulled up to her house. Like, she was like 60 miles away from where I'm saying. So, turning into the woods, two weeks later, 60 miles away, turning into a driveway. That's, I don't remember in between, right? But I didn't handle it, and that's what's so important as a foundation. In Psalm 89, 13 through 15, it says, Powerful is your arm. Strong is your hand. Your right hand is lifted high in glorious strength. Man, don't we know God's got a powerful arm, strong in his hand, knows what's happening, knows the effect. I should have been dead at 16, between 16 and the time I got saved, I should have been dead at least 183 times, right? God has a plan, and God knew what he was doing, and against my own wisdom, he extended my years to make it to where God could use me and allow me to get off of that foolish sand and to build my um, strength and build my um, build on solid rock, right? Um, in verse 14, it says, Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Unfailing love and truth walk before you as attendants. Unfailing love. Oh, my God. When we were singing up here, holy, holy, holy. I mean, I just, mm. Ken, you could have kept going on until right now. And it was just like... Man, how, how, just, oh my gosh, Lord, I can't, that's all the, that's all the elders do up there, is just pray, holy, holy, holy Lord, holy, holy, holy Lord, you are righteous, unfailing love, truth, timing, God's got it, God's got it, and he had me before I ever knew it. And he had Sean before he ever knew it. And he had you, Cedric, before he ever knew it. And you, Connie, and Cheryl, and every He had all of us as brothers and sisters. God has, God put his son on the cross for us and said, here it is. And all we had to do was accept his gift. And God has got us, right? It says, in 15, it says, Happy are those who hear the joyful call to worship, for they will walk in the light of your presence, Lord. Happy are those. Uh, is there anyone in this room that maybe thought, well, all that foolish, we can't do that foolish anymore because we're supposed to obey the commandments. How many in this room are happier now than when we were doing our own thing? Right? Amen. Me? I'm happy. Yeah, I sit with my wife at our house and it's just like, it is overwhelming to me what God has done for me. I shouldn't be in that house. I shouldn't have the wonderful wife that I do. I was an idiot. And to, to this day, I love reading the proverb because it has, every time I read it, Lord, surely I am more stupid than any man. I'm like, that's me, right? You're talking to me right here, right? In Ephesians 2.20 says, Together we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, and the cornerstone is Jesus Christ himself. And we have alluded to that. Um, we have alluded to that time and time again, that Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. Um, I am going to, um, just a little bit after 12, I told my wife, I'm like, hey, I'm going to try not to go down rabbit holes. I'm going to try and get us out on time today. Um, but I just want to go to 1 Corinthians 3.11. And it says, For no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, which is Jesus Christ. Oh, you know what? I just made a mistake. I didn't need to skip that verse. See how God jumps in and goes, Ah, what are you doing? No. Put 2 Timothy 2.19. Because this is what we, I was just talking about. Timothy 2.19, here it says, when I was talking about being foolish and should have been gone 182 times already, the Lord knows those who are his and all who belong to the Lord must turn away from evil. The Lord knows who are his, right? Whether we've realized it yet or not, 
the Lord knows who are His. And when we are His, we need to place Jesus as the cornerstone and the foundation of our faith. And it said in 1 Corinthians, which we just saw, was for no one can lay a foundation other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. And I want to close with a verse that they don't have, um, but in Matthew 22. So we've been talking about foundation, 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 fear of the Lord, gaining true wisdom, not be foolish, listen to what the Lord has to say, hate evil, fear of the Lord is to hate evil. So we've talked about all of these things to get to a foundation, but I want to just leave one last verse, which came to me this morning. I already had the sermon typed out. That's why they're not on the um, notes, because I emailed the notes last night, um, <laughs> for which I got in trouble for. Um, I just thought, oh, notes. I just put down the verses. I'm writing down like 2 Timothy 2.19, 1 Corinthians. And I sent Rick over a list of things. He's like, bro, you couldn't have sent me them written out? Like, I know you had them. Like, you couldn't have just forwarded the whole. Anyway, I, just, I made So I made Rick do a little bit of Bible study. So thank God for that. Right? Um, but, it, but this morning, it came to me that as much as I'm talking about the foundation of Jesus Christ, that the one true way, this is the way that you get the foundation. And that is Matthew 22, 37 through 39. Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And secondly, second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. If we do those two things, the rest of this stuff that God wants us to do is going to fall in line. Love, love God with everything you have. There's no greater life than loving God with everything that you have. There's no greater life than having Jesus Christ as the cornerstone of your foundation. There's no greater thing in life that when a storm comes your way, which it is that you have the foundation of Jesus Christ and you surround yourself, right? Because the Bible says, um, enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. So if you surround yourself with those that have the solid foundation, that's how you're going to get people who are unsaved go, man, I don't, I don't even understand how you're still making it with the death of your son three months ago or the death of your daughter three months ago. Um, Greg, um, they lost an 18-year-old. Kelly and Ray lost a 34-year-old daughter. These are horrible things, horrible things that happened in our church. Um, we are praying for Dante. Dante's 22-year-old man that believes in the Lord that has stage 4 cancer, and they just found out he has COVID, right? We are, Cheryl, you've been through struggles, over the last few years. Could you have made it without Jesus Christ? Could you have made it without this family right here. Being here with you. Praying for you day and night. Being with you. No. I couldn't either. It is how I made it. It is the foundation. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. All your soul. And all your mind. As true, true Christians. That right there. Is what gives us that peace that passes all understanding. That's what gets us through with Christ when others don't have Christ. Amen. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for sending your son Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you for providing a foundation that we can live upon. Lord, that foundation is so important to us. It is it is what gets us through all struggles of life, Lord. We know that you have, we know that you have, have, have made a world that is um, an evil world and there's good and evil in the world. And we know that we are going to come upon evil and we are going to come upon storms and we are going to come upon um, relational issues and we're going to come upon um, death and we're gonna, there's going to be emotional things. There's going to be financial struggles. Like, we know that we are going to have struggles in this life, Lord. And yet you provide. 
a way for us to be able to handle everything. You provide a foundation for us. You provided your son, Jesus Christ, as our Savior to save us when we were not worthy of being saved, Lord. Thank you, God, for doing what you do. Thank you, God, for being awesome and amazing, Lord. Thank you, God, for helping us when we don't deserve the help, Lord. And I just ask today, Lord, that the word that has been spoken by me that has reached somebody, that somebody has an open heart, that somebody had an open ear, and that there's an understanding there, that somebody that in this room that may not have you as the foundation, uh, somebody that's that's going to church, that's uh, that that's doing the um, that's doing all the frilly things, that are doing the um, aesthetic things, that are doing the things that make them look good on the surface and not below, Lord. Um, I, I would ask that you would reach out to somebody and that you would put a solid rock under them, Lord. Um, angels rejoice when just one person is saved, Lord, and we just ask that you would come to um, somebody in this church today um, and throughout the world, Lord. Just save, 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 Lord. It is, you are amazing, and I thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.